I love having friends around. It's good to have my friend Cody back in the building. And I love, some of you will hear him every now and then. He's just saying in his way, Amen, John, preach it. That's what I love. So you keep going for it, Cody. <laughs> it's also good, uh, I've got a few friends here this morning. I had a gr- couple of great surprises. But my, uh, my friend, some of you will already know him, Paul Enns from District. He's here with us this morning. He's already preached. So uh, I'm not going to ask him to preach, but I am going to... This is the tough thing, you see. When you invite a preacher to the platform, you have to be quite specific how long. So I'm... (laughs) Now, I'm going to ask Paul just to come up and say what he's doing and how things are going just for a couple of minutes. But hey, why don't we show our appreciation? He's an incredible guy and a blessing to our district. This is a bit of a surprise. I was just going to sneak in the back door and enjoy the service, but uh, John has invited me. Uh, my name is Paul Enns. As he's mentioned, I work with our district team uh, in missions mobilization. And my title, not that you have to remember it, is, is District Missions Mobilizer. And I, I say that's a rather presumptuous title because I believe only the Holy Spirit can mobilize us Good. on mission. And so what Pastor is going to preach on this morning really is the key to all of that. But I help facilitate that. I work with our local churches. We're a family of churches. We've got about 70 in this district, Manitoba and Saskatchewan, over 400 across the country, and in 90 countries around the world. And uh, I help our local churches connect with our international workers, those who are sent from our churches, to go to other places where there's little or no access to Jesus. And uh, so that takes a lot of different forms and things, and I've been happily welcomed by the Circle Drive team. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for your giving, your praying, and your going. And look forward to uh, partnering in that way. And I just want to say thank you, too, to the worship team. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Every single one of those lines, I've seen those things happen. And uh, they're happening here. And uh, when it says the prodigal's returning, I was just crying because I have a prodigal who's returned. When I read about the healing, I was crying because... uh, I preached in Morden about five or six weeks ago in the Sunday morning service, and and five people were healed before we even asked people to come and pray. There's stuff happening. There's stuff happening, and I'm just so, so happy to see that it's happening here as well. And I bless you in Jesus' name and bring you greetings from our team. Thanks, Paul. Hey, welcome home. To those in the room and to those of you that are engaging with us online. And uh, I have another couple of friends here as well. Some of you, you can't really miss them. I, uh, I had the privilege and honor of going to a bike blessing yesterday. How incredible is that? I went to a bike blessing. It was, it was actually like stepping onto the set of Sons of Anarchy. It really was. And uh, I I stepped into it, and and you sort of look around, and there's all these big, hairy bikers, and and that's just the women, but the men as well. I'm I'm in so much trouble now. (laughs) But it was amazing. I went in, and you, you see the guys with the patches there, and then you sort of look at the patches, and you pick out the patches, and I know... Mozzie and Pete have both got them on. God is great. Now, there were many other patches as well, and that is the exciting thing. I went to this bike blessing, and there's, there's 
Am I allowed to say hell's angels? There's hell's angels from different chapters there, and, and, and they're come to get their bikes blessed as well. And I love the fact that we have a group of guys from all over. Was it Western, Western Canada mainly? Yeah, Western Canada. I was talking to one guy. He, he'd ridden his bike for 10 hours to get there. And, uh, you know, that was only round Circle Drive with all the potholes. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he was from way up north of Alberta, and he'd ridden down, and, and just, just a whole group of guys and, and women coming together, and, uh, and these guys particularly, they, they've got something of God. You probably look at them, and you think, oh, but God is doing something through them. The Holy Spirit has done something in them so that God can do something through them. It's incredible to, to see the witness that these guys have. And I love my friend Mozzie. We've, we've known each other for many, many years. But he has an incredible ministry to the biker, not just Christian bikers, but totally the opposite, believe me. But they're coming to him, and they're coming to these guys, and, and they're inviting them into places that no other people would be invited into. And uh, I just, it was just such a privilege to be there and be part of that. I met another Alliance pastor as well from Roston. It was good to meet up with John. And uh, anyway, are you ready to come around the Word of God this morning? Yeah. yeah, why don't you stand? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for this house. We thank you for what you're doing through Mozzie and his team. Thank you for what you're doing through Paul and the district team. And God, I thank you for what you're doing here in this house as well. The home, the community that we love. And long may it continue. Lord, I pray that we would never take it for granted. That we would never, never underestimate what you want to do in us and through us. And I pray that as we give attention to your Holy Spirit this morning. I know that you're already here, God. But I pray that as we give attention to your Holy Spirit, that he will that he will comfort the afflicted and he will afflict the comfortable this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Grab your seats, church. I wrote this down and it wasn't until I was just standing here and realized, and I wrote the sentence in May 2012. That was the start of it. And I realized suddenly that was exactly 10 years ago. Exactly 10 years ago, and I can't remember which week, but it was probably round, probably this week or, or last week. I was in church, and we were meeting, the church that I was pastoring, we were meeting in a little Methodist hall. And we were so blessed by this, by this team in the Methodist church. We loved them, so thankful for them. But I was in a pretty dark place, I've got to say. And it was Sunday, and one of our young pastors was preaching. And she'll love me if she ever hears that. And as she preached, I knew as she was talking it was for me. It was those, that moment of, God, I don't care who else is in the room, but you are speaking directly to me. Because I'd reached a point during that service where I was giving up. I, I can't pastor anymore. It wasn't a shall I, shan't I. It was a I've finished. I have nothing. And as the worship team was playing before 
the message. I was actually in my head wondering who I should pass the church on to at that point. I was thinking, should I go back to being a child protection social worker or should I step into something new? So it wasn't, it wasn't a what sh- shall I step out of it. It was what shall I do when I step out of this? I felt a complete failure. The church at that time was struggling financially. We'd lost a few good people. And even though we were really blessed by the Methodist church, what I felt was that we were not in a place that reflected who we should be. And I was standing up every Sunday trying to encourage people. I felt I had nothing left to give. I had no direction, no motivation. I was just empty. I had nothing. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. I wonder if you feel like that this morning. Can we chat? Can we, can we talk about that? Maybe you felt that your circumstances, yourself, your sin, your mistakes have brought you to a place of failure and emptiness. Maybe as an employee or an employer or just being unemployed. Maybe as a husband or wife, maybe as a a single person, maybe as separated or divorced, maybe even through your addiction, maybe you just, as a Christian, you feel empty, devoid of life. Maybe that's how you feel right now, then this message is for you because It's for where you are at this moment. But I can guarantee that if you've not been there, you will. You will reach a place of emptiness. And I pray that something that I've said, maybe something even in the worship that's happened in this service will come back to you. Over the past few weeks, the messages have been centered around The Trinity. God is three in one. God the Father. God the Son, Jesus. And today, I want to bring attention to and focus on God the Holy Spirit. And actually, I'm going to continue next week on the same theme because it is Pentecost Sunday. In case over the last few weeks you've missed the QR code, as as my wife said, we love QR codes here, don't we? The Bible Project has an incredible video on the Trinity, and hopefully you'll see it there. Just grab it. If you have not already got it, take a picture or just grab the website right now. There's an account in three of the Gospels that describe Jesus being baptized. And this is where we see the Trinity, God three in one. The separateness, but yet the, 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 the coming together in one place. Matthew three sixteen and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You see in that moment. We see God the Father speaking. We see God the Son 
being baptized, but we see God the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove. Now, I said this last week. I realized last week I did this whole spiel about, about this and actually forgot the, the key point I was trying to make. I'm trying not to forget this time, but the Bible was written in the language of the known. There's no talk of internet, cars, antibiotics, COVID, aluminium, the printing press. You see, the authors wrote in the language and the concepts that were known at that time. When Jesus told stories, he, he wrote them and he told, oh, sorry, he told them about things that people understood, sheep, parents, children, agriculture. Those are the stories that, people, that Jesus told because that was the language of the known. That's what people understood. So when the Bible talks about God, about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, their relationship, it actually, in so many ways, anthropomorphizes them. It attributes human characteristics or behaviors to something that's there. We think about mice that walk and talk, Mickey Mouse. That's anthropomorphizing animals. And God does this to help us understand what is a a mystery. So when it talks about God as a father, it's not what we understand, but it helps us understand the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. And we see that so many times that the human characteristics that help us understand what is essentially a mystery. I don't know what your thoughts are about the Holy Spirit. Maybe, as many people do, many followers of Jesus do, we push them to the side in our thoughts and life because maybe because of a fear or a lack of knowledge. I, I, I don't want a force that controls me. You know, like a slightly good version of the devil inside film. Maybe we feel that he's not needed in our life. Or maybe you've never really heard of it. Have no idea what the concept of the Holy Spirit is. I think one of our problems as followers of Jesus is that we have an unhealthy obsession with the things of the Spirit or an unhealthy avoidance of the things of the Holy Spirit. We either obsess by it or we completely avoid it. The first church that we will celebrate the birth of the church next week, Pentecost Sunday, The first church was radically different because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, it was, as we read, the Holy Spirit that started the church, and I'll probably talk a bit more about that next week. So I want to ask us or get us to think about if it was the Holy Spirit that started the church and the disciples needed him, the Holy Spirit, what makes us think that we can leave him on the sidelines of our life and of our church? Is he he just that substitute that comes on maybe like a a game changer when things have gone radically wrong in our lives, when things aren't happening? We'll bring on that special substitute. Or have we allowed him to be the playmaker all through our lives and all through our church community? Some of you may have heard and have read 
Francis Chan. I love, he's got some incredible books and incredible writings. He says this, that if we state that we don't need any more of the Holy Spirit, then actually we're saying that we've had enough of God. Let me allow that to sink in in our lives for a moment. Today, I just want to talk about one of the places where the Holy Spirit intersects with our lives. And as, as I said, next week is Pentecost Sunday, and I want to explore how the Holy Spirit builds the church. See, many people can get lost in a lot of the experiential stuff of the Holy Spirit. He does come to give us gifts and produce fruit in our lives. That is true. It's very clear that that's what happens in the Bible. Can I say this to you? The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is expansion, not experience. Expanding us to become conformed to the likeness of Jesus, as it tells us. Expanding us to be witnesses to the good news of Jesus. And expanding the kingdom of God. One of my favorite quotes comes from an old 1920s American evangelist. And she says this, on one side of the road stands the cold, worldly church. Can I just remind you, this is 1920s. A hundred years ago, on one side of the road stands the cold, worldly church. On the other side loomed, at that time, the frenzied fanaticism, boasting manifestations that brought discredit to the precious Holy Spirit. I stand, and can I, can I say we, a circle drive alliance, we stand in the middle, however, for a sane, wholesome power of the Holy Spirit that brings honor and souls to the Lord Jesus. You see, that's the thing. That's what I don't want us to miss. Those of us that have pushed or ignored or avoided the things of the Holy Spirit, and even the Holy Spirit himself. There is a road that we can walk that brings honor and souls to the Lord Jesus. I want to read, I want to talk a bit more about that one aspect of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's when we first meet the Holy Spirit, when we first read of him, right at the beginning, right at creation. Genesis 1. Let me read this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. One of the versions, one of the translations says, the, the earth was formless and empty. Do you feel like that? Have you felt like that? Maybe you're sitting here in this service or watching, engaging online, and that's, yeah, that's my life. Another word for that formless is chaos, chaotic. Maybe your life feels chaotic and empty. For some of you, it might not be the whole part of your life. There might be certain aspects of your life. That there is that emptiness. You go to that place and it's chaotic. It's full of chaos and empty. 
And as we're learning to deal with the realities of disease and war right at this moment, it can feel like many of our securities, norms and values have been stripped away, leaving emptiness. That sounds like some of your life or even all of your life. How about this? How about this? That's where the Spirit of God hovers. The place of emptiness is where the Spirit of God is. Yes, He brings order, but as you're feeling empty, as you're feeling the chaos of life, I want you to know, and if you remember nothing else about my message today, the place of emptiness is where the Spirit of God is. It's the best position. It's the best place for you to be so that God can work in you and through you. You see, when you're empty, there's only one place to go. When you're at the bottom, there's only one place to go. Proverbs 26 Sorry, 1626 says this, the laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger or his emptiness drives him on. Jesus tells the story, the parable of two men, one full and one empty. Let me read this to you. To some who were confident of their own righteousness or full of themselves, you could say, and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, rather, the one, rather than the one, sorry, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. One thought he had all the answers. One thought I am full. I've got everything. I am right before God. The other knew he had nothing and knew he needed God. You know, over the last few weeks, we've seen so many situations that have hit the media that have caused debates very quickly. And as we see on social media all the time, it very quickly turns to hate and you get tirades from both sides of the, I was going to say fence, but it feels more like a chasm. Both sides claiming to be full. And often, when it comes to Christians within those debates as well, we thank God that we are on the right side of history. We're thanking God that we are not like those other people. You know, and I do the same. I was reading one of these debates, and I started down that road, and suddenly I realized, I got nothing. We often think we are justified before God. We set up camps in opposition to other people. We get entrenched in our position, don't we? I'm the one that is full. You're the one that's empty. You know, we can become very lonely in our ivory towers. 
we can become so full that the Holy Spirit has no emptiness to work with. So, in an increasingly lonely, empty world, how should we as followers of Christ be different? The presence of the Holy Spirit in our church, in our lives, should be that conduit of connectedness to God and to each other. Unity is not about having lots of friends on Facebook or Twitter or any other social media platform. It is not even about having the nice parties to go to. It is about having one spirit. Ephesians 4. Oops. Sorry. Ephesians 4, 3 to 4 says this. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Not, not the unity of the community. Not just get along with each other and everything will be well. But the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. God sent his Holy Spirit for a reason. Real connectedness. Authentic connectedness. God-centered connectedness is one of those reasons. The Holy Spirit comes to bring order and fullness to our lives. He brings us to each other and then joins us together. But can I say this? He will often take us to a place of emptiness before he can fill us. Revelation 3, verse 14. To the angel of the church of Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. That's some pretty damning words to a church. And as soon as we, as soon as we utter the words or have the thought in our heads, well, that's not us. What have we done? We've become, to some extent, the Pharisee. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You think you're full. You don't need a thing. You don't need me. Are you still with me, church? Get rid of what you think is valuable and filling your life so that I can fill you with what you really need. You see, the Holy Spirit goes to the places of emptiness. If we are so full of ourselves, there is nothing the Holy Spirit can fill. 
Maybe you've filled your life with everything that others think is fullness, but it's left you feeling empty. Our lives at times can seem like dead air on the radio. You ever listen to the radio and someone says something and then it goes dead and you're like, come on, come on, say something, start the song. And often, we, like the radio host, can be in a rush to fill it with the things that we think are valuable. We fill the gap. We fill our emptiness with meaningless relationships, with busyness, with money, with possessions, with praise from others, with our job, with our sport. We fill the emptiness, and many of these things are not wrong. But if they fill the emptiness, they're just taking the place of where the Holy Spirit should be. If we have no emptiness, then why would we need God? See, that church in Laodicea thought they had everything they needed. They were full. And they were told to stop hiding their nakedness, their emptiness, and buy gold from God. You see, there's only one way you can buy Something, and that is by giving up what you have. We go to the shop, we exchange what we have in our pocket, our wallet, for something that we want. And God is saying, What you have is worthless, but I will take it. I will take what is worthless and I will give you what is of value. But first, you have to create the emptiness, you have to give up what is of value in your life. It's in our emptiness where the Holy Spirit is closest. Dale, if you could come back up, that would be great. I I don't want a life. I don't want a church that can be explained without the Holy Spirit. I want us to be a church where we continue to come in our emptiness where we continue to bring others that are empty. Like the miracle in the Old Testament where, I can't never remember whether it was Elijah or Elisha. And he, he says to the woman who had nothing, and she, she actually says, she says, I've got nothing except. Well, that means you've got something. But Elijah says, I've, bring, bring everything, every pot, Everything that is empty, give me what you have. And out of that emptiness, God creates this miracle and begins to fill the pots. See, sometimes we come into the church and we come in our fullness instead of our emptiness. Often our fullness is just hiding our emptiness anyway. But also... You see in, in, this, in this account in the Old Testament that not only did she bring her own empties, she began to go around the neighbors and collect the empties from the neighbors. Do we bring our neighbor's emptiness to this house? Knowing, knowing that there is something that's going to happen, a miracle that's going to happen in the house where they're going to be filled We want this church to stay the same, then we're going.
going to be sadly disappointed. That's not about change, uh, changing where the drums are or the keyboards are or pews or whatever. It's got nothing to do with that. It's about the growth and the expansion that happens when we bring our emptiness and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to fill us. What does that mean for us as a church? See, when we, when we think we have it made, when we think we have enough people, this isn't about church growth, okay? But there are people that are empty in your life that need to know the Holy Spirit, that need to come to know Jesus. And as they come in, as they experience maybe just the friendship first, the community first. But they'll realize and see the goodness of God. In Romans it says it's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. We are, we see the evidence. When we see how good God is and what he's done in other people's lives, we see the evidence of our own sin, our own emptiness, our own lack. Can I... Can I just remind you as well and thank you that if you serve in the air, any area of church, whether it's circle groups, or kids' church, youth, whatever it is, you are helping create space to bring the emptiness in. I want to talk more about that next week. So often, our own steps of bringing the empties, other empties in can be taken from a place of emptiness. feel we have nothing except. That woman had nothing except a little oil. That young boy had nothing except five loaves and two fishes. The four friends that brought their paralyzed friend had nothing except the ability to destroy a roof. I hope they got Ben Abramoff to come in and fix it afterwards. See, when we, when we read Acts 1 and Acts 2, the birth of the first church, the disciples had lost everything. They'd lost Jesus. He'd gone away, but Jesus had said, I have to go so that another like me can come. So let me, let me go back to a question that I asked last week when I asked which Jesus, which Holy Spirit, not the circus act that's about having a nice experience. See, the gift of the Holy Spirit into our life is it's not for our own pleasure or purposes. The Spirit is meant to lead us towards holiness, sanctification. The Spirit is meant to, meant to lead us into that place where God accomplishes His purposes, not ours. He does something in us so he can do something through us. Both as individuals and as a church. Bring our emptiness to him. I'm going to do something that I don't ordinarily do. Because I'm believing that God has spoken to people in this room. And not just, oh yeah, that was a good word. But God is saying, bring your emptiness to me. 
And I know this is a bit out of the ordinary. It's okay. If you know that God has spoken to you this morning, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and come down to the front. And it's not really even so that I can pray for you. It's so that you are saying, God, I'm bringing either my life, which is completely empty at the moment, or those areas of my life which I know are empty. And it's that physical getting out of your seat, the recognition, the the obedience to God to say, God, I'm obeying you in this. I'm just going to say a simple prayer, and then you can go back to your seats. But I'm going to read, I'm going to read a song. Thank you, brother. And as I read this song, I want people to come. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was brought, bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today. There's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I thank you for every person that's acknowledging you that's acknowledging the emptiness, that's saying, God, I'm empty, or this area is empty. I acknowledge you in this. Thank you for every person that's standing. Because you, your Holy Spirit, is bringing order to the chaos, is bringing fullness to the emptiness bringing life to where there's death. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray for us as a church that we will be nothing without the Holy Spirit. We will have manifestation of the Holy Spirit that brings honor and souls to Jesus, to himself. That as we as individuals are conformed to your likeness, that we as a church will begin to look more and more like you because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and through us. In the name of Jesus. guys can go back to your seats just for a moment I want to take just a minute
to set a challenge to those of you that maybe have never made a decision to follow Jesus. Or maybe you've made a decision to follow Jesus and like the prodigal son, you've gone away. You've walked out of the family. Or you're a young person that's grown up in church under the umbrella of your faith umbrella of your parents or caregivers. And today you need to come to God and say, God, I want to make you my Lord. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want my life to be in you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, and if you're online, stay engaged. Because it may be you. If you know that I'm speaking to you, both in the room and online, you're coming to Jesus for the first time because his goodness has drawn you there. Or you're coming back to him. Or you've grown up in church and you're saying, I need to step out of the umbrella, the faith umbrella of my parents and come to you right now, Jesus. I want you to, I want you to do something really simple. I'm going to ask you to simply put your hand up, then we're going to pray. And then we're going to get on with the rest of our service. But if you're, you're coming to Jesus, with every head bowed, there'll be a few team that are looking around just to help me. You're saying yes to Jesus, to his love, his forgiveness from the past, life in the present, and a hope for your future. Well, I'm guessing right now, I'd love you just to put your hand up. Maybe give me a wave so that I can see it. Thank you at the back. Who else? You're saying yes to Jesus. If you're online and you're saying yes, why don't you just type that in there? Acknowledge it to one of the team. We might have a button on one of the platforms to, to do that. I've seen your hand. You can take it down again. Thank you. Okay, thank you. We're going we're gonna to pray together. I'm just going to say some words and hopefully it will maybe articulate what's going on. Maybe you couldn't put your hand up, but you know you need to say this prayer along with us. At the end of that prayer, we as a church celebrate every single decision that's made. Dear God, I come to you now and I give you my life. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. I ask for you to come into my life, for you to be in me and for me to be in you. Thank you for the life that you gave and I take hold of the life that you give. And from this moment forward, I am now a follower of Christ.